Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about three games that the Raptors recently just played. First of all, let's start with the Raptors taking down the Memphis Grizzlies 128-113. The score doesn't really signal how close this game was down the stretch. And for the Toronto Raptors, we saw a lot of stuff really play out. They had a really solid first quarter, and it was a high-scoring game. Not a lot of defense being played. This has sort of been Toronto's MO this season. They're one of the lowest teams in terms of defensive efficiency in the NBA, ranking 17th, and are one of the better offensive teams, actually, at around 7th in the NBA currently. So right off the bat, we see them versus the Grizzlies. High-scoring game, Norman Powell was first-quarter Norm, scoring 11 points, hit 3 of 3 from 3. He did this again against the Wizards. He does this almost every game, and honestly, he's been balling out lately. Van Vliet had 7 points in that first quarter, and the Raptors really sloppy in that second quarter, and the Raptors were a little bit tired. It was a fast-paced game, and... You know, they they were on a road trip, right? The Raptors have been on a long road trip when you look at the schedule that they've been playing. They've played six games on the road in a row, including their game with the Wizards, and now their loss to the Celtics last night. Um, So they had a few games in there where you're allowed to be a little bit tired. And in a five-game, over-seven-night stretch and a six-game road trip, Toronto went 4-2 and and 3-2. and in the five games and seven nights stretch that they had and losing both the games on the second night of a back-to-back. And we saw against Boston how tired this Raptors team looked. Their offense wasn't quite clicking. They didn't get a lot of contributions from anyone other than their big two, which was Siakam and Kyle Lowry in this game. Norman Powell was okay, but, you know, Toronto's offense is what they've been dependent on. And when let's look through the games that the Raptors have, you... You know, you played the Magic a couple times, but after that, you play the Nets, you allow them 117 points. The Hawks score 132 with ease on you. And then over the last three games, the Raptors allowed 113, 115, and then 120 to the Boston Celtics. So even though it seems like they're playing hard defense, they're energized, they seem like they're putting in the effort, um, a lot of it doesn't really translate. And maybe that's the Baines effect that we're seeing because last season, Toronto was second in defensive rating. When you have a guy like Serge Ibaka coming off the bench to be a good, really solid rim protector. And this isn't a huge shot at Chris Boucher, but he's just not a 5 in the NBA currently. At his current state, he's a small ball 5 and struggles to handle bigger guys. He gets in foul trouble a lot of the times. We saw that against the Celtics. He had 5 fouls in that game. Same thing with Norman Powell. He had 5 fouls. So for Toronto, they've got to look to... Some kind of solution here. We've talked about this before, obviously. The Toronto Raptors' lack of a big man in the middle. And it really showed against Boston. A team that's not even that big. Daniel Tice is their center. Tristan Thompson is an offensive rebounding machine. But he's not someone that, you know, should be torching you. But they got out-rebounded 14-3. And they really struggled. There there aren't a lot of huge takeaways from the win against uh, the Wizards. You know, Toronto just played a really good game. And near the end, they just decided, we're going to take over this game. They took over. They they won the game that they're supposed to win. And, you know, it's just been a solid performance for them against the Wizards team. That's honestly very lackluster. They don't play a lot of defense. And then against the Grizzlies, the first three quarters, they were just kind of chilling. And then Nick Nurse got teed. He got double teed. He got kicked out of the game. 
and Adrian Griffin came to the rescue. The Raptors turned it up and blew him out by 15 points by the end of this game. So, you know, for the Toronto Raptors, the, the big takeaway is they're back in the Eastern Conference play for a top seed, a home seed in the NBA playoffs. They're currently sitting at, I believe, the sixth seed after losing to the Boston Celtics. However, they're still in contention for those seeds. They're only two games back from Boston still. Uh, losing to them head-to-head really does suck, but in, in the short term, they'll be fine. They've just got to look towards the schedule coming up and try and you know, muster some wins because it's not an easy schedule when you see the Milwaukee Bucks twice, the Timberwolves twice, and the Sixers twice. So you over the next six games, you've got two teams that are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference by by wins, I believe, right now. I know Philly's number one with the with the hammer, but I don't know if Milwaukee's two or three. I'm pretty sure they're second right now. And the Timberwolves, even though they suck, they've got Carl Anthony Towns, who is back from COVID. Uh, he had COVID and came back. So for him, it's going to be... Um, he's going to be able to feast inside on the Toronto Raptors. You know, he just really is one of those guys that is a huge interior threat against the Raptors, against the smaller team. So Toronto's going to have to find a way to guard him. I don't know how they're going to do it. I think Nick Nurse um, has to either find creative ways to use this lineup so that you can slow down those kinds of big men that, you know, are are big interior threats. Uh, And a guy like Towns is definitely in that, that bucket of people who can do that to a team, who can dominate down low, uh, who can get their shot out from mid-range, even from the three-point line. I can see Toronto really struggling guarding him in this game. Or Masai Ujiri has to make a move now that Aaron Baines, I believe, is available for trade now. And because the the trade deadline's only a month away, Toronto's got to look to some kind of solution at at least slowing guys down in the middle. Boucher is fine in the minutes he plays, but they need another guy in there who can help them in the rebounding department because... Like I said, I don't know if I already mentioned this, but Boston had 14 offensive rebounds to Toronto's three, and they outshot them from three-point land because Toronto was just deciding to go inside. But when you don't have a big man rim running, it makes it a little harder to get those points inside when Siakam's your biggest interior threat on a team, when he's trying to post up a guy like Semi Ojale, even though he did do a great job. Um, Semi Ojale and... Pritchard really dominated Toronto, which is hilarious because you expect it to be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but Toronto did a really good job of switching onto those guys, doubling them whenever they got the ball, and they just gave it up to the guys in the corners, like Pritchard, like um, like Semi Ojale, and those guys, even though Ojale's built like a truck, they really did struggle to... Um, roll out to those guys and and rotate to the open shooter and it really ended up costing them in this game but for Toronto once again you're in a good position you've played good basketball up to this point Pascal Siakam has turned a new page and has been absolutely balling out in four of his last seven games he's at over 30 plus points Uh, he had 24 again last night Kyle Lowry's been very solid but speaking of Kyle Lowry, we're going to quickly translate over to talking about some of the news that broke for Kyle Lowry recently. So Kyle Lowry's house is apparently up for sale on the Toronto market. 
this news has been confirmed. And the question is, what does this mean for the Toronto Raptors? What does this mean for Kyle Lowry's future? And at the age of 34, he's already given everything he has to the Toronto Raptors. There's no question about that. He's won a title. He's accomplished everything and more than he could have expected coming to Toronto back when he came, you know, whenever it was, 2012. So for the Toronto Raptors, you can't necessarily be mad or upset because I think the time is coming. It's a matter of years. You know, the next two or three years, Kyle Lowry most likely won't be on the Toronto Raptors roster. He's going to be 36. Maybe he's going to retire. No one really knows what he wants except for him. So speculating is a good thing to do if you want to try and ease your mind. But in my opinion, I don't think Kyle Lowry leaves this season. And there's a few reasons why. Number one, his contract is massive, $30 million. And similarly, Toronto and Masai Ujiri are going to have to come to an agreement in terms of Masai and Lowry are going to have to say, do you want us to trade you? And if Lowry's like, yes, then Masai tries to shop him. However, even in that situation, it's still going to be so challenging to deal him to a team. Let's just talk about the $30 million salary. Every team, essentially every team in the NBA, except for I think the Atlanta Hawks and maybe the Thunder, have no cap space available. And because of that, you can't really make moves that were going to uh, result in easy transactions because he's making $30 million. So let's talk about a couple teams that he would want to go to. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. Let's talk about the Clippers. Those are three teams that we've heard about. So first of all, the LA Clippers have no assets and they don't really have the contracts to match Cal Lowry unless you give like Lou William, Pat Bev, and then even then they're going to have to give up a couple, another guy at least, and they have no picks because of the Paul George trade, and as a result, the Toronto Raptors won't be that interested in dealing him there. All this being said, though, you know, there, there is a chance he could end up going in the offseason anyway, right? Toronto could compete this year, but I'll talk about it after. The next team, let's go with the Miami Heat. This team's a little more realistic because Miami, you're, you're in... Um, Miami, Toronto's in Tampa. It's not a far distance. It probably isn't a big haul for Kyle Lowry's life, for his kids, for his family, considering that they're living in Tampa and Lowry sold his house, which I think we just talked about. But Kyle Lowry selling his house does not mean he's leaving Toronto. Right? Let's just first clear the air there. The Toronto Raptors aren't going back this season. The team recently announced that they're going to be keeping everyone there. In Tampa, there's no chance of playoff games in Toronto. So Kyle Lowry, seeing that the market is hot, just tossing his house out there, 5.3 mil, like it's nothing. Get some extra cash in his pocket while the market's hot. Maybe he's made a lot of money as Chris, so maybe he buys a bigger house in Toronto. Maybe um, either way, that doesn't mean he's going to leave Toronto this specific season, right? That doesn't mean the Raptors are trading about the deadline. It has no correlation at all because Toronto's playing in Tampa for the entirety of the rest of the season. It could mean he's leaving at the end of the season in free agency. There could be a correlation there, but let's not speculate about that yet. Let's worry about this current 2021 season for the Toronto Raptors and for Kyle Lowry. So going back to the Miami Heat, you could put together a package of something like Kelly Olynyk, Andre Iguodala, and an asset because that would match Kyle Lowry's $30 million salary. 
Toronto could take on those expiring contracts and pick up another guy. You know, when Kelly Olynyk, who's a big man who can help Toronto there, Toronto can give more experience to some of their young guys off the bench, like Terrence Davis. Obviously, Malachi Flynn's in the G League right now, so that's not a guy you'd be bringing back to the roster anytime soon. But, you know, you could open up the roster a little bit like that, and then you could add a young asset. And the first person I'm going to take directly off the table right now is Tyler Hero because they were not going to deal him in a James Harden trade. And because of that, they're not going to deal him in a Kyle Lowry trade. There's just no way that happens. So automatically, you're removing their best young asset because they see superstar potential in him. So could you potentially get Duncan Robinson? That's another question. I say maybe. Is Precious Achua a little more realistic? Probably. You know, maybe uh, Duncan Robinson might be a little too much to give up. Maybe you give up Precious. Maybe you give up a protected first-round pick. And then you get back an all-star in Kyle Lowry, who we know can still bring it. He still has value to a team. And then you have this team of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, potentially Duncan Robinson still on that roster as well. And then some of the other bench guys they have, like Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic as well. This team is amazing. That team is a title contender. And they're right up there with the Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, if you add Kyle Lowry to the mix there. He just takes a really good team and puts them over the top to a championship contender. Maybe Kyle Lowry's their second 2B option even behind a guy like Bam. But, you know, he can run the offense. He doesn't have a lot of turnovers. He does things the right way. He, You know he can explode for 30 points in a game. No problem. We've seen Lowry do that all the time. And he's the heart and soul of a team. So I think his value is there in terms of if you get back a guy like Precious along with, like I said, Andre Iguodala and Kelly Olenek, then, and maybe even a protected first-round pick, maybe not. Then you get a young prospect back for Kyle Lowry, and I think that's a good haul of a return. You can start developing a guy like Precious at the five for Toronto as a centerpiece moving forward, literally a center that they need moving forward, along with you know Chris Boucher in that front court and Pascal Siakam. That's a good young core, and Toronto's selling on an asset that could be leaving anyway. And then the other team is Philly. So Toronto wouldn't want to take Tobias Harris's contract because it's four years and it's a ridiculous cost for a guy like Tobias Harris. And I think Philly wouldn't want to trade him either because under Doc's system, he's really good. So taking him off the table, obviously Ben Simmons and Embiid are off the table. They're trying to aggregate a big four together. They're trying to get a guy like Kyle Lowry in the mix to have that big four. So they would end up having to trade a guy like Danny Green who makes some money off the bench Potentially even a guy like Seth Curry, a guy like Mike Scott. These are a few contracts that you can match with Kyle Lowry's who are on basically expiring contracts, if not two-year deals. So Toronto can end up getting a guy like that back in return, you know, just to fill the cap, the everything together, the cap space together. And then they got to look to potentially adding, you know, a sweetener. So is that sweetener Tyrese Maxey? Is it... Maybe a draft pick. You know, I don't know what they could really add to the mix there. Maybe Matisse Thibel, but they've got to add one little sweetener in there to get Toronto interested. And I think, as a Raptors fan, I'd be interested in a guy like Tyrese Maxey, a really young guy, or even Matisse Thibel, who's shown defensive potential. I'd prefer Maxey, but who knows what Kyle Lowry's value is. I think you can get one young prospect out of a trade like that. So you could get a guy like Tyrese Maxey and put him next to those guys. And we know that... Daryl Morey loves making moves like this. He wants to compete. He wants to contend. And despite Philly's amazing record, you know, they're 
reaching a ceiling. And you know what? Maybe they're thinking we could get Kyle Lowry next season and add him to the mix if it doesn't work. But when you look at the issues that the Philadelphia 76ers have, a lot of it is offensive related challenges that they have. You know, Embiid's a monster. We know that. But everything around him sometimes doesn't work. This year it's been better. But a guy like Kyle Lowry can man the floor. He can shoot the three. He'll reduce the turnovers that a team like this has. He can be a secondary ball handler next to Ben Simmons. A guy who can get and beat the ball every time in the post. A guy who spaces the floor. And a guy who brings defensive pros to his game as well. He's not a negative defender by any means. He's one of the better point guard defenders in the league. So I think it's, it would be a really good move for them. And for Toronto, you get a young prospect back. You get a few expiring contracts. You could dump a guy like Danny Green back out to another team. Maybe try and get like a second round pick back in return for him. To a team that needs a shooter. So then Toronto can end up just gathering some assets and moving forward with this mini rebuild that they want to do. And I think it would be a good move for Toronto to trade him. But at the end of the day, I also wouldn't want to see him go because he's Kyle Lowry. He's the team's champion. He really is the heart and soul of this Raptor squad. And losing him would be very, very disappointing because of all the history we have with Kyle Lowry, all the clutch shots. He won the championship with us. He was one of our best players. He's the greatest Raptor of all time. So if he does want to leave, it's all on him. He's got to make the decision. He's got to be the executive and say, hey, Masai, I want out. Because if he doesn't want out, we don't want him out. That's the truth. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe to the pod. Follow us on IG. And I will catch you on the next one.